All right, welcome everyone to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined today by Benjamin Carlson and Brian Wells. Our main topic for today is the NBA, as the Eastern Conference Finals are coming to a close with either the Milwaukee Bucks or the Toronto Raptors set to take on the two-time defending champion Golden State Warriors. We'll recap Golden State's sweep of the Portland Trailblazers and the Raptors winning three straight to put the Bucks on the brink before looking forward to what we can expect from the NBA Finals. In the quick hitter segment, we'll get ready for the Stanley Cup Finals as the Boston Bruins will take on the St. Louis Blues. We'll talk about both teams' paths to the final series and give our predictions on who will ultimately hoist Lord Stanley's Cup. Later in the episode, we recap an exciting UEFA Champions League tournament and preview the final matchup between English rivals Tottenham and Liverpool in Aloha Echo. And in honor of Memorial Day, the three of us count down our favorite war heroes in today's Top 5. So we have an all-championship finals episode ahead of you. Uh, We're going to talk about the Stanley Cup finals, which I know Brian is very excited to talk about his Boston Bruins being four wins away from a championship. Absolutely. I agree. And we will talk about the UEFA Champions League final. Gives Ben a chance to talk a little soccer. Yes, and we'll definitely be recapping those amazing semifinal games. So get excited for that. But before we get into any of that, let's start off with our main topic, and that is the NBA, as we look ahead to the NBA Finals. So at the time of recording, the Raptors hold a 3-2 lead over the Bucks. so the Eastern Conference Finals aren't quite over, but we're going to go ahead and start off with what we know, and that's that the Golden State Warriors will be playing in their fifth straight NBA Finals, joining just the Boston Celtics from the 50s and 60s as the only team to go to five in a row. And they did it without Kevin Durant as they knocked off the Houston Rockets in game six of the conference semifinals and then swept the Portland Trailblazers in the conference finals. They're looking great right now. Stephen Curry is looking phenomenal. And same old Warriors, right? Same old Warriors. We're witnessing greatness here. I'm no Warriors fan, but... As much as you hate to see it, 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 we are witnessing greatness. And it, it's hard to be mad at that if you're like a real sports fan. Because what the Warriors have been able to do is truly amazing. And, it, and it's kind of, I can't even imagine what it was like to be a Celtics fan back in the uh, the 80s, right? Back when they were dominating everything. It was mostly was, the 60s. Uh, the but 60s. then, the, Yeah. When did they the win 60s. like 10 in a row? When, like, 60s. I, that was the 60s. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, I can't. I can't even imagine what it was like to have a team win that frequently. So we're getting to witness it a little bit with uh, the Warriors, which is kind of cool. Like, I can't wait till the next like dynasty begins and I'll be like, the Warriors were better. Like, the youngins don't know, you know? Yeah, you could say it's greatness, but it also is... It's. I think it's bad for the league that they've 
made it this many times to the finals. Yes, they're absolutely fun to watch, but at the same time, Kevin Durant joining that team that was already championship ready is already been, was already uh, in two finals, one with a win and one with a loss. It it sucks that they're in the finals again. I think, but Kevin Durant once Kevin, Kevin, once Kevin Durant yeah yeah, but still he's probably gonna come back in the middle of the series and then they'll end up winning in five or six whoever they face, whether if it's Milwaukee or Toronto, whoever they face. I'm rooting for the team that faces Golden State. So for the past four years, I've I've basically looked at the Warriors the same way I look at Alabama football. Alabama football is a team that it's like I want to root against, but I know in the end they're going to be the ones facing Clemson. So I have to like almost pull for them just to make sure Clemson didn't win a title. For me, it was basically rooting for the Warriors just because I didn't want to see LeBron and the Cavs win another championship. This year, I didn't have to worry about that. But this Warriors team is a little different in that I feel like it's it's almost easy to just be like i'm gonna appreciate this this is fine like who cares if they win because kevin durant is set to be a free agent demarcus cousins set to be a free agent even clay thompson and it it almost feels like there's a bit of a 1998 bulls vibe where it's even if they win pull off four out of five they're gonna be breaking up next year it's gonna we're gonna have a little bit more parity in the western conference so I agree with ben in the sense that i'm just appreciating it i love stephen curry what he's been able to do 36 and 37 points every game in that four-game sweep. Uh, it's been pretty pretty amazing to watch them and how even when they're down by 15 points, the game is far from over. I know that LeBron's legacy took a hit this season with him not even making the playoffs, but I think the longer that the Warriors dynasty continues, especially when it's those core players who are making it happen, not the additions of Kevin Durant or the additions of uh, DeMarcus Cousins, I think it just adds to what Le- like the greatness of what LeBron pulled off in Cleveland when he actually was able to defeat this team in the finals because they're almost a foregone conclusion every time. And for him to be able to do what he did, I think, even in retrospect, it seems more and more impressive the longer this legacy goes on or this dynasty goes on. Even when they lost, even when the Cavs lost those series, look at last year when he when LeBron took that horrible, basically horrible team all the way to the NBA Finals and then. To cap it off, J.R. Smith blows it at the end of the game, uh, at the end of that fourth quarter, thinking that they already have the lead, but they end, were still tied. And then, of course, they go into overtime and Golden State wins and then eventually sweeps Cleveland. And uh, I remember Jeff Van Gundy said that if if LeBron brings this team all the way to the finals, this will be his greatest accomplishment ever. And I'm, I'm thinking they're like losing to the fi- losing in the finals, getting swept. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call that an accomplishment. But then all of a sudden looking at that team, and then uh, it reminds me, of the, reminds me of that time when he brought that team, the 07 team, to the finals and lost, got swept by the Spurs. It's like it's him and then just a bunch of crap. And well, so I know we're talking I, about the Warriors right now, but then we're switching it to LeBron. But that's another thing. People are like, wow, the Warriors are going to the finals five years in a row. Like nobody goes to the finals five years in a row. And LeBron's over here like, oh, five years in a row. That's cool. I went eight years in a row. So... Put some respect on his name. I know that his like stock is at an all-time low right now because of the year he had this year. But LeBron's still an absolute legend. Like you got to respect the king. We can talk more about LeBron uh, when the rest of the league gets to the offseason. I know he's been in his own offseason for quite some time now. Uh, but I guess while we can appreciate the Warriors, in the sense that they've been doing this without Kevin Durant, like, how does this affect Durant's legacy with Golden State? Because he won the NBA Finals MVP the past two years. It's hard to say that 
the Warriors aren't a better team without him, but the fact that they haven't really missed a beat, it kind of makes you wonder, okay, if he leaves next year, how detrimental is that really going to be? Yeah, I would say if he doesn't come back and the Warriors win the finals, then yeah, that absolutely hurts. And that just shows that the Warriors never even needed him. But facing a Portland team that's dominated by their backcourt, or at least scoring-wise with Lillard and McCollum, I don't don't think they needed him in that matchup. But versus Toronto or Milwaukee, having to face Giannis or Kawhi, I think they... I went well. If they didn't have Durant, it would be a six or seven game series, I think. And maybe you can make a case that Milwaukee or Toronto wins that series. But I think they do need Durant uh, to get the to feel to feel good or to feel safe about it. Yeah, not. I mean, you got to think about it in the sense of like the opportunity cost of joining the Warriors. Like having Kevin Durant not be on a team that the Warriors play also helps the Warriors. So I think. If he really wants to, like, they might not feel his impact when he's just not playing for them. But if he goes to another team and then loses to the Warriors and the Warriors win another one, that would really hurt his legacy. I mean, going there initially, that already, he takes a hit. But um, I think that it might be that just removing him from the league or just removing him from competition was the best thing that the Warriors could have had. Because Kevin Durant's definitely one of the more premier players in this league. They certainly have been, like, playing great with that core three of Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Draymond's averaging nearly a triple-double in that Portland series. Uh, he did, him and Curry became the only two player teammates in NBA history to both have a triple-double in the same playoff game. It feels like those same Warriors teams that first started out this run they had, uh, of course, winning once and losing once. But I, I do agree with Brian's sentiment in that Kevin Durant would be much more crucial for them in the NBA Finals having to go up against either Kawhi Leonard or Giannis Antetokounmpo because Draymond is, despite being a big man, is smaller than those guys, uh, at least height-wise. So, And you also have Klay Thompson, who is an elite defender, but he's that great like wing perimeter defender. So I don't know if the two of them are going to be able to slow those guys down, and it seems like that's the best way to beat those teams. So it would be pretty interesting. Uh, if Golden State does have to play that series without Durant entirely. And part of me wonders, if Durant's really going to leave Golden State, why does he want to go out there and play in that series? Uh, you know, obviously helping his team win a championship is great, but like, if he's gone, then wouldn't he like the idea of Golden State not being successful and losing and being like, hey, I, these guys needed me. I'm still a great player because... No, no, I know you're shaking your head. He adds, he adds another ring to the ring count. That's what's most important for KD. He's he went to the Warriors because he wanted to. He wanted more rings. Why would he decline that? Well, okay, if if he was on the court, that wouldn't be the difference. But the fact that he's hurt and the team is playing so well without him. Okay, so you're implying like that he wouldn't idea. come back at all for the finals. I I still think Durant leaves though, no matter what, because I think. Going to Golden State, he just wanted the ring. He just wanted to know what it was like to win a championship. And that's kind of like Le- what LeBron did in Miami. He wanted to know what it was like to win. But now, after he left Miami, he needed to add on to his legacy by going back to Cleveland and not... Well, I mean, yeah, they were sort of stacked with Kevin Love and, and Kyrie Irving, but it's not like... It wasn't like that situation when, in Miami where, for Kevin Durant, he's just joining the bandwagon in Golden State. But 
He needs to, if he, if he wants to add on to his legacy as one of the greats, he probably would need to leave, and whether that's in New York or the Clippers or, or elsewhere. He absolutely needs to leave. He can't. Him winning six championships at, in Golden State with the team that they've assembled wouldn't mean anything compared to some of the other guys like Kobe, Michael Jordan, LeBron, who have won championships as the, the main guy without as many star teammates as him. Uh, so him leaving isn't like there's no question he's gone that's just the only reason why I'm thinking about the fact of him if he's already out the door uh, what kind of incentives he has to come back especially just knowing that just all the um, narrative about Durant on Golden State how the Warriors don't need him Um, if he really wants to almost you know stick it to the team kind of like a Le'Veon Bell-esque kind of thing and uh, by not helping them, especially with us saying that the Warriors really probably do need him to feel safe about Toronto and Milwaukee. And there have been reports that he might not even come back until the middle of the NBA Finals and not even the beginning of it. So if mm-hmm. Golden State uh, started Game 1 and 2 just blowing out Milwaukee or Toronto and, and then he comes back, and that still doesn't look good. But maybe if uh, if, if, if if Golden State... Was in trouble. Was in trouble the first few games, and then Kevin Durant came to the rescue. Maybe that helps a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, actually, but. now that now that I'm saying that, I'm like starting to question myself, and I agree from that perspective that if they do start losing, he could look like the hero. And don't and for don't don't forget, uh, every single year they've started at home in Game One and Two of the Finals. Whoever they face, if whether if it's Milwaukee or Toronto, they have to go to the on the road to start Game One and Two. Actually. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, I and think that does a matter a little bit swing. in the uh-huh. NBA for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting um, to see what happens with Durant going forward into the NBA Finals. What happens with the Warriors? But let's shift our attention over to the East and talk about the Bucks and the Raptors. So Milwaukee won the first two games. They were looking pretty dominant at home, but then they go to Toronto, lose Game 3 in overtime, get blown out in Game 4, and then lose back at home at Game 5. The Raptors have a chance to close them out at home, uh, where it would be their fourth straight win, first NBA Finals appearance. And I guess the first question is, has Kawhi's performance the last three games, where does that put him in the NBA's league hierarchy as a player right now? Well, let's just talk about postseason teams uh just to make it a smaller group that we're discussing um i think he might be my postseason mvp right now not only is he the postseason mvp i i think he's kind of a hot take probably the best player in the nba right now i think uh even though Giannis is going to win the mvp and Durant has been known as the best scorer in the league and lebron's been the king for all these years i think the way it looks right now i think Kawhi leonard i don't think it's that much of a hot take to say he's the best player in the NBA. The way he's yeah, I think it's it's interesting that we're saying that because I think that the narrative would easily be Giannis if the Bucks, you know, just took care of business in game, game three. Or three. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But the fact that Kawhi has been able to rally the team from that O two deficit to the point where now they have a chance to win the series in six games, I think it makes it a legitimate argument. Uh Kevin Durant injured. LeBron James didn't even make the playoffs. So it's really, if it's Kawhi versus Giannis and Kawhi wins a series, then I I do have to agree that that really, at least heading into next season, we'll see how things play out in the rest of the finals. But it seems like Kawhi certainly has a strong case, especially as he's going into free agency. I think that uh, really helps him as he, he looks to move forward with the next 
step of his career, whether it's still in Toronto or leaving the team. Well, I okay, honestly, I think if the Bucks somehow pull it out in seven games, that well, honestly, I don't think that they can. Basically, what we saw at the end of uh, Game Five was that Milwaukee was trash when it mattered most because it was close. But there were some silly turnovers and just I don't know, gar- like it didn't seem like they wanted it more in the clutch. And when you've got a guy like Kawhi Leonard who's absolutely razor sharp in the clutch, you can't expect to win those kind of games. So for me, it was three straight games where I thought Milwaukee was going to win. I thought after game two that they were going to go into Toronto and win game three. And then after they lost in overtime, I was like, all right, Toronto got one. They're going to win game four. And then going back home, I was like, they have to at least win game five. Yeah, like the home team wins all the time. And I I honestly thought like after... Once it got to game three and and got to overtime of game three, I'm like, I'm rooting for the Bucs. I just want this series over with so we can just go straight to the NBA Finals. Even though I thought, you know, what has happened now in game five where it's a close series and Toronto's actually the one winning. Um, before before this series, if we were recording this podcast uh, before game one of this series, I would have picked Milwaukee to win uh, given the fact that uh, – their role players after Giannis, I think, have been a lot more consistent throughout this postseason. Uh, and then the players after Kawhi on Toronto, whether it's Siakam or Lowry or and Gasol and so on, they've all have had their flashes in throughout the postseason. But at the same time, they've all had games where they just disappear, and it's just been Kawhi the entire time. Where so, if they can show a little bit more consistency, the players uh, outside of Kawhi on Toronto, I think they have a good shot of not only beating Milwaukee and advancing to the finals, but maybe maybe possibly making a, a run at the championship as well. Yeah, guys like Fred Van Vliet, who back-to-back great games, including 7-for-9 from 3 in Game 5 for 21 points. Uh, if Toronto's bench is contributing and they really they only go eight maybe nine guys deep in a normal game so it's not too many guys they need to rely on but if the Raptors can get performances from like you said from guys outside Kawhi Leonard Kyle Lowry has been putting up 20 points per game game four is the only game in this series where Kawhi wasn't leading scorer and Lowry came out and scored 25 so he's gonna he's a big part of that success and then the big guys yeah Ibaka had a huge game seven versus Philly and Kyle Lowry was even though they lost that game, he was huge in game one. And then, like you said, Van Vliet having seven three-pointers and was probably, outside of Kawhi, the best player on, on the court that day. Uh, if they can get a little bit more out of uh, the other players after Kawhi, I, I like their chances. Yeah, Fred Van Vliet, I, uh, when I heard, because they interviewed him after the game last night, I thought that was like the most computer-generated name I've ever heard. Like I was like, this. I really don't know the Toronto bench because I was like, <laughs> wait, what? But uh, he did have a tremendous night last night. So, um, it, it, honestly, we've seen the one-man army versus the Warriors before, kind of with LeBron. Although he did definitely have Kyrie Irving because um, Ky- Kyrie was amazing in that series as well. So, if the rest of the team can kind of match that energy. And, and Kawhi can keep doing what he's doing, I don't know, maybe they have a shot if Durant decides not to play and Cousins stays out. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, it sounds like we all think Toronto's going to close it out game six at home, though. I, oh, well, yeah, I mean, the, the home teams have been playing better. I think Milwaukee just really screwed up late in the game yesterday, and uh, I think that might be their undoing. 
yeah, I like Toronto to win the next game as well. I mean, they, they've been pretty much a force at home this entire postseason. And yeah, the, the, the Milwaukee just hasn't looked good in the last few games. Uh, well, they got blown out basically in game four and then game five. Yeah. They, like you said, they, they blew it at the end there and uh, it's definitely not looking good right now. And I would definitely favor Toronto in the next game. Yeah. I, I agree that I think Toronto is going to win game six, uh, just with the, the way the past three games have gone, it's hard not to think that they're going to close it out at home. I also like, I think going into the series, I was a lot more optimistic about Milwaukee's chances against Golden State than Toronto's. And I don't know if I necessarily feel any differently, I'm, especially I, if Kevin Durant plays. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the last series with Milwaukee, whereas Milwaukee and Boston after game one, I, I'll admit, like, yeah, I thought for sure, yeah, Celtics and six, like, they're going to the East Finals, they're probably going to the Finals, and all of a sudden they lose four straight. And then Milwaukee... Like I said, I picked. I would have picked them to win this series, and they could still win. Uh, after the first two games, I was feeling good about that prediction, and like, and then going to overtime, like, oh, they just got to close out this game, and then they'll just got to win one of the next four. But then all of a sudden, they lost game three, and then now they're now they're down in this series. So it could always change, yeah. And don't forget, like OKC versus Golden State, they were up three to one in that series, and then they blew it. And then Golden State, they were up three to one, they blew it. So. It, it can happen, but I would still favor Toronto, yeah. Toronto also has that secret weapon on their side, and his name is Drake. Oh, my God. I, so so I guess what are your guys' thoughts on Drake and his antics uh, throughout this Eastern Conference Finals? If I was Giannis, I would try to hit a, a dagger three and then give him, the, give him the choke sign just like Reggie Miller. But unfortunately, Giannis is not the same shooter as Reggie Miller. I think what Drake is living out is any super fan's dream to be able to be a surrogate member of the team just because you can go to all the games and get wild. I think that's awesome. I mean, it's annoying because I'm not a Raptors fan, but if I was, I would be like totally on board for this because Drake, whether you like it or not, Drake and Toronto are kind of synonymous and it only adds to what that, that idea by having him be so involved with the team and i think he's earned that through his star power and longevity uh, and being in the mainstream so i have no problem with it i think it's fun yeah okay so i, I think that there's like this idea that drake is just some super fan just some random guy from toronto who just happens to be a celebrity so he gets shown on tv all the time he's a global ambassador for the team like he is hired by the toronto raptors franchise and i, I just feel like people like have this idea that He's just—he's not involved with them. He's just riding and yeah, he's just maybe it's, maybe it's because he's a bandwagon fan of the other teams as well. Yeah, but like he—he he has been so influential to the Raptors in the last six years. He brought Toronto the All Star Game. He helped uh, with their twentieth anniversary celebration. He was really big on that. I think it's—it's it's totally fine what he's been doing. He's. He has been maybe annoying at times, but I I just don't understand the concept. There's like there are people who are like saying we when they talk about their sports teams, but when Drake's doing it, it's it's all of a sudden an issue. I just I just don't understand that. Uh, but I do love the storylines that have come up out of it, and with the Milwaukee Bucks uh, making their own ways to kind of go after Drake with uh, Mallory Edens, the daughter of the Bucks owner, wearing a Pusha t-shirt and the arena playing Pusha team music during warm-ups. 
Uh, I can't, <laughs> so Ben, I, I, I know you're. I can't yeah. believe Milwaukee did my man push a dirty like this. If you're gonna invoke push a T, you have to win. Otherwise, you're you're giving him an L by proxy. So I think that was totally disrespectful. Um, but I mean, it makes sense. That was a pretty that was a pretty big beef they had. But uh, you got it. If you're gonna pull something like that, you're gonna look like an idiot if you lose. And they did. They looked very silly. Drake even changed his uh, Instagram profile picture. Yeah, he changed it to to Mallory Eden. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, that's the thing. You you uh, Drake is doing exactly the same thing that they're doing though. He's putting his reputation like in with the team, so people can get mad that Drake is you know getting so excited that the Raptors are winning, but it's because they're winning. If they lose, then you get to make fun of him. So it's all fair. I don't think there's any problem with what he's doing. I guess as a Drake hater, I'm part of that group. But yeah, that makes that makes total sense like if yeah if if he's if their team was winning he probably yeah he has a right to be excited but if they lose you can yeah make fun yes, of him if, on twitter as much as you want yeah yeah Tr- trigger fingers turn turn to twitter fingers right yeah <laughs> Ex- exactly it let's say the raptors make it to the finals and then they get swept by the warriors everyone's coming for drake okay yeah so that's what's on the line here so you can if you're if it makes you mad just just wait just be patient You'll have your moment. You'll have your opportunity to give it to Drake. Yeah, of course, we have the Drake curse as well, where it seems like every team he ever backs always loses. But the Raptors are at least one win away from seemingly breaking the curse or at least putting it on pause until the NBA Finals. So uh, I'm all for it. I think it's it's fun having a celebrity who's supporting a team that is, they're not a mainstream team. This isn't LA. This isn't New York. This is Toronto. This is a totally different country. So one thing, though, I'm all about I, it. I don't think it can keep running up and down the court and actually being in the middle of the, well, not middle of the court, but getting in the way of players at times. Maybe that's too much, but every, I, hey, you know what? He should show up to game six wearing warmups and sit on the end of the bench. <laughs> Just go all in. Didn't he wear Milwaukee shorts for game three? After the, I, I want to say it was either game three or game four. He was wearing oh, Milwaukee Oh, because he was like trying to curse shorts. them, right? He was, and it worked. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the, yep. the thing is, I think that Drake's like sports team curse only goes as far as to keep him from benefiting from bandwagoning. Because all the teams that lose when Drake supports them are teams that Drake doesn't really support. He's just, oh, they're about to win a championship. Better pick one of them, you know? Kentucky oh, basketball yeah. is a perfect example. He goes on the court. Uh, practices with the team, and then all of a sudden, yeah, Steph Curry with a shot and airballs it. <laughs> exactly. So it, I, I just think that curse, I don't know if it really even applies to the Raptors. Because even if you say that, it's like they go to the finals and they lose to the Warriors. You're like, oh, the curse is real. Is it, though? Everyone loses to the Warriors, and they made it to the finals. Like, why did the curse only kick in when it's the best team ever? You know, that, I, I just don't think it applies when Drake is supporting his true team. I think it's just a bandwagon thing where Drake tries to capitalize on a team he has he has no knowledge of's success, and then they he blows it for them. So I, I'm I'm gonna go and call out that the curse doesn't apply to the to the Raptors. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. I know the Maple Leafs. He was he backed them and they they bowed out in the first round. But the Raptors have been able to uh, at least give him that that one uh, shining moment of sports true fandom. So before we we wrap up our NBA talk, let's go ahead and talk about another noteworthy uh, story from this series and that was a big thing of game five 
David Bakhtiari, Green Bay Packers offensive lineman. He he's in the crowd for game five. I think he this happened in another game in the playoffs, but the Jumbotron shows him. He's sitting uh, courtside or pretty close to it. He's got a beer in his hand. And what does he do? Stands up, starts inciting the crowd, and chugs that beer in a couple of seconds. Next thing you know, they cut over to Aaron Rodgers. And now all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers drinking his beer gets the same challenge, and he can't even finish it. So after that, they go to Christian Yelich, Milwaukee Brewers MVP. He does the same thing as Bakhtiari, chugs his beer, and knocks it down right away what does this say about aaron Rodgers? aaron Rodgers not only did he not finish it but he like took five minutes to get to the decision that he couldn't finish it it was truly cringeworthy Uh, my man in number 12 does not take that many l's but this is a certifiable l Uh, i mean i would have come some slut some slack but after christian yelich who basically is like the size of us and not even like that I don't think big. he's even 200 pounds. Like he's a tiny. He's just he just figure. looks like this tiny like Sean Mendez guy. Yeah. After he chugged a beer, and then after Matthew Stafford, I'm not sure if you guys saw this, but yeah, uh, yeah. So there's a video Stafford. of Matthew Stafford on Instagram where uh, his friend is recording the game, like the t- uh, the TV uh, at this bar or restaurant, and then all of a sudden he cuts off to Matthew Stafford with a beer, and then all of a sudden he chugs it in two seconds. Like uh, it was right after Aaron Rodgers chugged. Right. Yeah, so it tried to at least. So yeah, Aaron Rodgers definitely uh, takes the L on that one. Yeah, I'm sure the people of Detroit would rather have their quarterback be able to drink a whole beer than to ever beat the Packers. So good for them. There you go, Detroit. Take (laughs) huge W. You're first in a while when it comes to facing Rodgers. Even though they shut them out in week 17. of Your the... first, yeah, well, the percentage is not very good, okay? No. <laughs> no, but it's like of all the states, Wisconsin, it's like the number one beer drinking uh, state in the country. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers just... Uh, he... Shouldn't he have just like not chugged it at all and just been like, no, or or like not have a beer at See, all that and, would just, be... and just have like a water bottle? The narrative would be the same if he didn't do it. So he had to at least try, but I don't even know. Is that it just makes him look worse? To... It just made him look yeah. worse though. <laughs> wonder, wonder what he was thinking when he was chugging that beer. Like, Oh my God, I can't do this or I'm going to throw up on TV. Okay, I mean... Here's the thing. Chugging your first beer should be pretty easy. It's when you get to multiple beers, like when you've already had a lot of beer and then you're forced to chug a beer, that's when it gets difficult. Your first one shouldn't stop you. I'm sorry. It's just your one beer. Was that actually his first one, though? It was the first one that I saw him drink. Bakhtiari <laughs> drank like Isn't two like back to back. It was like the first or second quarter. Yeah. Maybe he realized he needs to take the offseason more seriously. He only has one ring and Brady has six. He's chugging that beer. Oh, no, I, I can't. I got it. No, I can't. The fact just got to place this down. The fact that Rodgers only has one ring is one of the great tragedies of his career. He's so good, and to only have one ring at this point, it's like, what could have been? Tom Brady his- can chug beer super fast, and he's one six, so maybe that's the reason why. But he can't drink a strawberita because it has strawberries in it, and he doesn't eat strawberries, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let, let's let's end our NBA talk with that. Let's move on to our quick hitter segment. And we'll be talking about the Stanley Cup Finals. So we have the Boston Bruins made it out of the East. They sweep the Carolina Hurricanes in the Eastern Conference Finals. On the West side, the St. Louis Blues. They were the worst team in the league at the start of the year, but they went on an amazing four-month run to get to the playoffs and... Uh, 
made it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, defeating the San Jose Sharks in the Western Conference Finals. So uh, let's kind of start with them individually, starting with Brian's Boston Bruins. He's wearing a Bruins shirt. I know that you're all ready to, to give your takes on the Bruins' playoff run and where they will go from here. Yeah, I got my playoff beard and everything. I got my yeah, Bruins shirt and playoff. It, it is looking good, by the way. The playoff beard is in is in full bloom, and I think that yeah, that it, bodes well it, for it, the Bruins. What so what I did was I actually it, I didn't have the beard for the entire postseason. What happened was when it got uh, when the Bruins were down three to two to Toronto, I'm like, all right, you know what? They're, this is probably over. And and it's Easter Sunday. I gotta look good for my you know, for the Easter plans. So I had, so I shaved that day and all of a sudden they go out and win and then they go out and win game seven. I'm like, Oh my God, that worked. So <laughs> yeah. it gets, it gets to the Columbus series and all of a sudden they get down two to one. Like, Oh my God, this they're not looking good. I got to shave. And ever since then they haven't lost. So that's why the beard still looks pretty good. So once the Bruins get down in this series, then I'll have to shave again. And then, then they'll make the comeback. That's and then amazing. you'll know, yeah. and then you'll know when the Bruins are hoisting the Stanley cup, you'll be like, Oh, Brian must have shaved. That's how, that's why they came back in the series. Not not defensive or adjustments or or, or subbing guys out. Like it's it's oh Brian shaved his beard. That's what that happened. is an amazing yeah. new twist on the playoff beard dynamic. I I love this. Yeah. No one would ever do that, but well, it it, I had, it seems like it goes against what you should need. But really, once your old playoff beard loses the magic, it's time out with the old, in with the new. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. Regardless of that, um, I'll talk about this series, and not only as a Bruins fan, I that I'm excited for the series. I'm also, you know, just as a hockey fan in general, I'm I'm pumped for this series, and I think that this series is going to go the distance. Uh, I think the Blues are a sneaky good team, actually. I mean, of course they're in the finals, but uh, I don't think many people, including myself, thought they would actually make it this far. I mean, not only did they were they last, like you said earlier, Corey. Um, they were last in January, but coming into the postseason, I didn't think they would be uh, one of the favorites to make it out of the West. I, especially coming up against the Sharks, where they were probably one of the preseason favorites. Uh, but I think the strength of St. Louis uh, is their defensive core for sure. Uh, Alex Petrangelo and Colton Pareko uh, are really huge uh, in the at their blue line and. Jordan Bennington, their goalie, he's probably been the best goalie outside of Tuca in this postseason. And fun fact about Jordan Bennington, he was actually a prospect in the uh, Bruins system just last year. Uh, and oh, then he, really? Yeah. I mean, he was drafted by St. Louis, but uh, years later, he, and, well, last year actually, he was actually uh, a starter for the Providence Bruins. And I kind of wonder, that gives like a little bit of a twist in this series. I mean, people will talk about David Backus and the fact that he played for St. Louis his entire career and now he's in Boston. Like, I don't think that's much of a story. I think I would say that Jordan. He was the team captain of the team. I I think that's a a pretty big story. It's a little bit, it's a, it's a little bit of a story, but it's not like a huge factor. I mean, David Backus at this point of his career, he'll definitely help, especially given how big St. Louis is. Uh, But I don't think it's like, oh my god, David Backus revenge. I, I get that. Yeah. Is him not being like a star player in these mm-hmm. days, but but I, I do like this Jordan Bingham story now that I hear that. Uh, so he's a 25 year old rookie, and like you said, mm-hmm. he's probably been the second best behind Tuukka Rask, which mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Tuka's never looked. Tuka, Tuka's never looked this good in no, ever. In no, he, he, so here's Tuka Rask's legacy at this point. He blew a three nothing series lead to the Flyers and lost mm-hmm. four in a row. Uh, one of only what five goalies in the history of the world to do that. Yep. He got Bruins legend and Stanley Cup winning goalie Tim Thomas traded out of town. Yeah, I'll give you that. And one. he allowed. Two goals in the last minute and a half of Game Six of the 2013 Stanley Cup Finals to lose to the Chicago Blackhawks. That might have been the worst 17 seconds of, arguably the worst 17 seconds of my life. Even even the Patriots losing Super Bowl 42. I, no, that one's that one's still worse. But <laughs> uh, like in, in terms of 17 seconds, yeah, that that nothing is gonna be. I dro- yeah. so what <laughs> Corey probably knows this, but Ben and others probably don't know this. But after the Bruins lost that game, I just drove in my car for like one or two hours and just pissed off like about then everything that happened at the end of that game i mean yes the blackhawks were the better team so that's why that's one of the reasons why i wasn't that mad but just the way they lost that series uh it would have been much easier if they lost a game seven in chicago yeah, and, versus and, blowing and Patri- a- patrice bergeron was like he had a puncture, punctured lung, broken ribs, separated shoulder. He had he was he wasn't even going to play Game Seven. Like he was that badly hurt. Uh, I know hockey players, um, they'll play through anything, but it got to the point for Bergeron where he was just done, and he was in the hospital, and it was over for him. So they probably lose Game Seven anyway, even if they win that game. But um, yeah. so re- regardless, so Rask, what, he won a right. Vezina in 2014, 2015. Yeah, I think it was yeah. 14 or 15, right? Yeah. yeah. And so this is the first time but they yeah, even yeah. made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. So it- no, yeah. So, oh, no. I'm, so before this series or before this postseason, sorry, um, Tuca's legacy, like you said, it's really just been a lot of choking where even though he's been a Vezina winner and he's been one of the top goalies in the league, he's really uh, has not been a good like clutch goalie or he hasn't come great regular season, but doesn't really do much in the playoffs. And that'll be the same thing if they lose this series where people aren't even going to talk about his run through this postseason. And he kind of did the same thing when they lost before they lost to Chicago, where he was actually really good. They swept the Penguins. They swept, yeah, they swept Pittsburgh and he was, he was a force in that series. And then all of a sudden the finals, it gives up six goals in game four. And then, yeah, then they end up losing in the, uh, in game six. And, in a devastating fashion. Um, so the, the legacy for Tuca is still, it's still that, but it's now for this, for this postseason, this is his best run. And if he can have one more series like that, it's our, it's you can, you can put it up in the discussion with Tim Thomas's run in 2011, where, I mean, nothing probably will ever be as good as that, but no, it's you impossible can put it, for Tuca. Yeah. He, he would have to have like four shutouts because Tim Thomas. Yeah. He was, basically he was i would have taken him over the brick wall <laughs> like i would actually rather have tim thomas than the brick wall uh in that the way he was playing in in 2011 but yeah like you can go ahead Corey. sorry oh no i mean i've i've talked about this before with you um uh, we don't mm-hmm. talk hockey too much on the podcast but tim thomas is my favorite bruin so when he was traded and Tuka Rass became the new goalie it was it did not take long for me to sour on tuka and that's the biggest reason why I don't consider myself a Bruins fan was just, you know, I, I had the Penguins rivalry and uh, that 2013 Eastern Comets finals didn't help with that. Mm-hmm. But Rask is a chance to turn around his legacy, do something that 
he has has failed to do for the majority of his career and that's have a complete postseason run and have celebrated with a Stanley Cup that he he deserved himself because I know he's on the roster when they won in 2011 mm-hmm. but it, it it'll be that's an interesting storyline there are a few good storylines of course you have the the sweep storyline because the Islanders swept the Penguins and then the Hurricanes swept the Islanders and then the Bruins swept the Hurricanes so does that mean that the Bruins are I don't think swept that by does, the Blues? I don't think that mean I mean I don't think statistically yeah, that is trend, going to happen. yeah They're, yes but the the difference is the Hurricanes and Islanders suck and the Bruins and Blues d- the Bruins don't. No, yeah, it's yeah just... the Bruins were the second best team in the league, also the second best team in their division in the regular season at least. Yeah, now I'll admit before uh this postseason started, I didn't think the Bruins were going to make this deep of a run, but once the first round concluded and Crosby and the Penguins were gone and Ovechkin and the Capitals were out and the uh, Lightning and the light, yes, and then the lightning, yeah, of course. That was them. a big one. Yeah, that yeah, was with the all those of all dominoes, of the Bruins were the favorite at that point. I yeah, thought Bruins Sharks happened, was inevitable, but the yeah. the Blues Blues have been so good. Where it's like because of how poor they started, like they they came in as what the two seed in their division. Uh, yeah, I mean they finished with ninety nine points. Yeah, I think they uh, were the. Th- they played Winnipeg in the first round. I want to yeah. say they were the three, and they, they were the road. No, the they were the road teams, team in that right? match. The, yeah. the road. The road team won every single game in that series until, until game, game six. six. Yeah. yeah. But the big thing with the Blues is they've had the best record in the NHL, at least to end the regular season, since that like January and, 2nd, and pa- whenever. And part of that is because of Jordan Bennington and mm-hmm. their strong goaltending. I mean, you saw in that series with the Blues and the Sharks where... See, I liked the Sharks in that series just because of the star power that they have on their roster. But Martin Jones was just dreadful. And... Say, uh, not St. Louis, San Jose, they re- rely a lot on their speed, and it got to the point where they were just out of gas. They played two seven-game series versus Vegas and Colorado, and then for game six, one you know another important game, Pavelski, Hurdle, and Carlson were all out. Like in a, in a game six of a playoff game, that shows you that they were just they were just done. Like they yeah, had- as soon as I heard Carlson was out, I. I called it series. <laughs> I said they can't do it without him. Yeah, that's that's your brother, right? Even though he spells it with a K. Uh, yes, actually, my cousin, really, the uh, second cousin. Yeah, that's why the, they, the letters are different. Yeah, they immigrated from on the other side of the country. That's why they got to keep the original spelling. But still, very closely related, very close friend of mine. As soon as he texted me to tell me he was out, I said series. That's all I said back. What? What is his first name? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> take a guess I, come I, on isn't it carl <laughs> <laughs> carl carlson <laughs> i have well whatever i have i have a neighbor named steve steve stevenson but that's that's not a story for another day but yeah for the listeners but, at home it's eric carlson um, yes. But yeah, I mean, I guess going back to the Sharks, in, in a way, I the Sharks not making it to the Stanley Cup Finals almost kind of feels like justice, right? Because first round, Game 7 against the Vegas Golden Knights, a bit of an egregious major oh. penalty. Probably should have just been two yeah, minutes. Yeah, so it should yeah. it should have been a two-minute cross-checking, but it shouldn't have been a five-minute major. I mean, it's probably Vegas's fault for giving up all those goals on the penalty kill and not calling a timeout after Pavelski gets hurt, but... 
So yeah, Vegas yeah. Vegas is up three nothing. Give up four goals in five minutes. Go down four yeah. three. End up losing five been a four in overtime. And then yeah. you had the uh, the hand pass in the St. Louis series. Yeah, and then the stupid game seven uh, uh, in game seven versus Colorado, where they score a goal to tie the game. But then all of a sudden, it was the right call. But so what happened was there was an offsides on Landeskog. But he was just going back to the bench. He's just standing there, wait, you know, waiting for other players to move across the bench, and so he can get in. But because of that, he his foot was technically offsides, and because of that, they take away the goal, and then all of a sudden the Sharks score a goal a couple minutes later, and then they end up winning the game by one goal. I mean, it was the right call, but it's like ugh, another stupid call going the Sharks' way. So yeah, it's a little bit of you know karma, but at the same time they. The Sharks were also kind of screwed in Game 5 where uh, Hurdle gets the, the dirty hit and the guy doesn't even get suspended. And Hurdle's out for Game 6 and then they're basically... They lose two of their best goal scorers and one of their best defensemen. So they were basically screwed in Game 6. Yeah, so I guess that might have been the karma there. But the thing with the Blues was they had that happen to them. They could easily pull a New Orleans Saints and just, oh, we're going to pout and whine and say this isn't fair. But even though the Saints did their own kind of yeah, choking. Yeah, you, you, you couldn't do that after all the luck. That no, but St. Louis goes out and wins three in a row, and now they're playing in the Stanley Cup Finals. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that's that's a pretty cool thing with um, what the Blues have done, just uh, given the circumstances that they were facing earlier in the series. So... Knowing where what we have right now, uh, Bruins, Blues, Brian, do you think the Bruins are going to close us out and win that Stanley Cup? Yeah, yes, I do believe the Bruins win this series, but I also believe that it's going to go six or seven. I'm going to say seven. I think it does go to distance, even though, like I said, St. Louis, their uh, their their strengths are their defensemen, uh, Petrangelo and Pareko, and Tarasenko is one of the best snipers in the league. And then of course their goalie. I still think the Bruins—they're the more complete team. They're the, they're they're more the more balanced team. Uh, even though their defensemen aren't as big, they're they have more speed uh, with Krug and Grizzlick in their power play. And I think and the Bruins also have the best first line in hockey with Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak. Uh, they've they struggled early in the postseason versus Toronto, but they've looked really good since. And part of that's probably because Carolina sucks, but. Um, They've had the number one power play in the postseason at 34%. So, uh, but that given that uh, St. Louis doesn't make that many mistakes, but I still like the Bruins to to win. But it's going to be a grind. It's not going to be. Uh, they're not going to be a ton of goals, given the fact that we probably have the two best goalies right now and still still left in the postseason. If the Bruins win Game One, then I think they'll win the series. But I think they're going to lose, and the trend is going to continue. St. Louis in four. <laughs> I love it. I, I hate it, but that I like the trend that you're going with. Yeah. Do you get a pick for this one, Ben? I think the people of Boston have suffered long enough, and I think that the Bruins will bring home a championship to the people of the, the people that truly need one most. So Bruins <laughs> in uh, in five. 12, 12 and five in the last seventeen years, uh, Boston teams have have done in the finals where the Patriots, they've lost three Super Bowls and then Bruins we talked about earlier and where the they Celtics lost the Blackhawks. And then the Celtics lose, yeah, to the Lakers in game seven. But outside of that, yeah, 12, 12 wins. So yeah, I, I would like to have to see another uh, 
uh, Boston Championship because yeah, we've only had twelve of them in the past <laughs> like seventeen years. So yeah, I could use another one. Yeah, it's been eight years of the Bruins, so they, oh boo hoo, eight years. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's longer, eight years or never? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, ben, you want to introduce our next topic for us? Yes, it is time for El Loja Echo, where we're going to talk about teams that exclusively speak English. <laughs> because uh, this year's UEFA Champions, Champions League, the most prestigious tournament in European club football, is set to crown its 2019 champion on June 1st in Madrid, where they will be speaking Spanish, when Premier League sides Tottenham Hotspur and Liverpool take the pitch uh, in only the second all-English final in competition history. But before we talk about that matchup, I want to talk about how we got here, because this semifinal may be the greatest semifinal I've witnessed in the Champions League, and I've been watching the Champions League for like three years. All right, so here we go. So first, I'm, I'm going to talk. I know that the games switched, like you watch the first leg of each and then the second leg of each, but I'm going to talk about both legs well, of each Do you want to give like a little little intro just in terms of the Champions League format, explain what it is? Because I know a lot of our listeners aren't big European soccer fans. Sure. So basically the Champions League is an invitational tournament that the best teams in all the major leagues in Europe get invited to. Uh, it's something that you do at the simultaneously with the other competitions you're doing. So imagine if the NBA existed in other countries, then the best teams from each league would play games in between regular season games against the best teams from other leagues. And that tournament goes on throughout the year, and at the very end of the year, you only have two teams remaining, and those teams play to be basically crowned best in the world, but at the very least, best in that uh, tournament of champions and it's really prestigious it's honestly one of my favorite things that goes on in sports one of the beauty beautiful things about soccer is that you can play it you know a couple times a week without absolutely murdering your body and it allows us to see uh matchups that you would never see otherwise like you know Messi playing against a english football club even though he's very much a uh, player in spain so this year there were four teams that made it to the semifinals, as semifinals generally have. Uh, two, one matchup was Ajax versus Tottenham, which, what country is Ajax from? They're a, uh, they're they're Dutch. They uh, they're based in Amsterdam. I did know that, and uh, they were playing against Tottenham. And the other matchup was between. Barcelona and Liverpool, Barcelona obviously in Spain. So first let's talk about Ajax versus Tottenham. So the first matchup was Ajax at Tottenham. So this game was being played in uh, in England. And early in this matchup, which by the way, Ajax is a very young and promising team. And they have had a tremendous run in this tournament. And uh, a lot of people, they surprised a lot of people with how far they went with their youth. And Vanderbeek in the 15th minute, very early in this match, uh, was on a close, was it offsides kind of call, uh, scores a goal and to leave Ajax up 1-0 on Tottenham. The rest of this match was tightly contested with both teams creating a lot of chances. Uh, but I think a lot of people would argue Ajax had the best, uh, created better chances, but no one else was able to convert for the rest of the match. And it ended... Zero to one or, or one nil 
uh, in favor of Ajax. And having an away goal like that is very important with the way that aggregate scoring works. Away goals are worth slightly more than home goals, uh, and they're used as a tiebreaker, uh, which you'll see here in a minute. So the end of that game, 1-0 in favor of Ajax. Um, Then the game went to Amsterdam, where Spurs played against Ajax, and in the fourth minute, Delict gives uh, Ajax the lead, so now they're up 2-0, and it looks... Like it might all be over for the Spurs. Their dreams of finally bringing home some silverware uh, seem to be crumbling before their eyes because that's the thing with Spurs. They haven't won anything yet, even though they are a top tier football club in the Premier League. They still haven't brought home any silverware. So it's uh, it's kind of the monkey that's on their back. And down 2 0 against a promising Ajax team, it looked like this game was already over. However, Son uh, Hunt, uh, from South Korea, one of their best players on Spurs, was looking dangerous and getting a lot of chances, but they just couldn't convert. In the 34th minute, Ajax score again, and this time in very convincing fashion, giving them a 3-0 lead on aggregate, making this seem like it was already done. Spurs continued to create chances, but it seemed like they just couldn't convert until the 55th minute Lucas Mora finally gets Spurs into the game with a calm finish on the counter and then just four minutes later he does it again with a true hustle play after an extended scramble in the box after a nice save uh, to bring Spurs back 2-3 on aggregate late in the game uh, Vertonghen is denied twice inside the... Uh, well, Vertonghen is one of the Spurs players. Is denied twice in, uh, in a row in the 87th minute. And it was starting to feel like Spurs were running out of time. Now, just to explain to you how this works, because they're playing in Amsterdam right now, Spurs currently have two away goals. Uh, and Ajax have three total goals, but only one of them being an away goal. So if they were to tie 3-3, three to three, then Spurs would win on away goals uh, because they would have scored three away goals uh, so at the end of a soccer match I don't know how to, if I need to explain this but at the end of a soccer match the referees award stoppage time to make up for stoppages for injury and throw-ins and substitutions and and you know penalties and so forth so they were awarded five minutes uh, of stoppage time and at the and I mean, the very end of the 95th minute, Spurs play a desperation long ball, just launching the ball straight at the Ajax defense. Deli Ali gathers the ball after a deflection. Uh, the defense wasn't able to corral it. And he one touch through ball to none other than Lucas Mora, who plays a tremendous shot low into the bottom right corner to put Spurs up 3-3 on aggregate but they are ahead on away goals to send them in at the very last second after kickoff the game ended almost immediately and spurs against all odds come back against a mountain of opposition against Ajax to earn their chance to win the champions league as they advance to the final it was a i mean it was just absolutely incredible um it, it seemed like a very epic finish. Just like that, essentially, soccer is equivalent to a buzzer beater. Yes. To yeah, it was like Kawhi Leonard, his buzzer beater against the Sixers. That was basically what happened with Tottenham. Yes, and it it was. It, I mean, it was 
totally unexpected. Lucas Mora, an absolute hero and a hat trick hero here as well. Um, but it really just showed you how bad Spurs wanted it. They 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 had every reason to quit once they were down three nil on aggregate. Uh, and to come back like that with only a half of football to do it uh, was just absolutely spectacular. And I know a lot of people are excited to see Spurs in the final after this amazing victory. I mean, this might be the best, one of the best moments in Spurs history. In fact, I saw this uh, this clip on Twitter where there was a guy, basically he was being talked to, interviewed on the news, just a Spurs fan, talking about how he told his wife, she's like, he's like, don't look at our bank account because it's going to take a a big hit because this is my one chance. We've never been. Able, I've been a fan all my life. I'm 65. I've never seen Spurs play in a Champions League final, and I'm finally gonna get to do it. This is a huge opportunity for us boys. He referred to him and his other <laughs> six-year-old friends as us boys, and um, it truly is a moment for Spurs. But is this their first Champions League appearance? Like you said, this is probably the most prestigious club competition in the entire world even though it's just for europe so it's essentially their super bowl it is and and it's uh to go in that fashion uh especially because spurs weren't necessarily favored in this matchup is is pretty spectacular so that's one of our two champions league uh final contenders let's talk about the other one so like i said the other semifinal was between liverpool and barcelona barcelona obviously featuring messi and messi He's right now. Messi is pl- uh, was playing some of the best football we've seen from him. I mean, we always see great football from Messi, but he was definitely the man in form at the moment. Let's not f- twelve goals to lead the tournament. Yes, and not to mo- mention that he led scoring in his own league by like twelve or something. Like he he had way more goals than anyone else uh, in La Liga. So Messi's having a, a career year, and also going into this matchup. Barcelona had just massacred Manchester United, winning 4-0 on aggregate, which I know Manchester United is not exactly the picture of football excellence at the moment, but still a club with a lot of talent that Barcelona tossed aside like some sort of you know bottom half of the league team. So they were very confident coming into this matchup with Liverpool. Also, not to mention... Suarez is a former Liverpool man, a uh, one of the most uh, prolific scorers to play at Liverpool, and he scored first in this first matchup, Liverpool at Barcelona. So they're in Spain, and Suarez strikes first blood, and um, right, uh, n- not right after that, but soon after that, Messi scores another goal against the run of play because Liverpool had been kind of dominating the ball, but again, Messi shows up. And they're up 2-0 in Barcelona. In the 82nd minute, Messi gets an opportunity at a free kick. And you've probably saw highlights of this if you follow like any sports accounts that cover soccer at all. Because Messi had one of the most unstoppable free kicks, which at this point is kind of routine for him. But it was still amazing. And the commentators were even saying, like when they were reacting to this, they were like totally blown away by this goal. And one of the commentators is like, they're worshiping him now, the fans. Like, he truly is a soccer god. And that's not hyperbole. Messi, if you had to have a god of soccer right now, Messi would definitely be a contender. Uh, him and Ronaldo definitely up there, some of the best in the world. And it's, it's really amazing when you get to see them play at that level. So Messi gets his brace. Barcelona win 3-0 in a very convincing fashion. And everyone is already 
in Barcelona is already prepping their bank accounts to buy their tickets to go see them play for the final because obviously they're going they're they're going to play, right? Maybe not. Let's talk about the second leg of this uh, competition. So this is Barcelona at Liverpool. A lot of people said this was an opportunity for uh, Barcelona to embarrass Liverpool in England uh, because it was so obviously they were so obviously overmatched. Liverpool in the middle of a tight title race in the Premier League. Maybe they can't even uh, focus that hard on this and maybe save some of their best players to win vital Premier League matches, right? Um, Well, let's see. So the beginning of the game, Barcelona has a lot of confidence and it was absolutely shocking uh, when Liverpool scored in the seventh minute. Uh, Origi, uh, which I don't remember his first name, is one of the Liverpool players. He scores on kind of a, uh, a... Uh, opportunistic rebound off the goalkeeper to get them to 1-0, right? But because they're uh, down 3-0 already, they have a long way to go. 1-0 isn't going to do enough. And at the half, the score was still 1-0. Barcelona is still feeling pretty confident. But here's the thing. Allison, the goalie for uh, Liverpool, was playing absolutely lights out. Barcelona was getting lots and lots of opportunities, but Allison was denying them. Over and over and over again. In the 54th minute, Trent Alexander-Arnold, a young talent for Liverpool, has a glorious cross into the box, uh, which is finished by uh, Wayne Aldum, to put Liverpool up 2-0, but still down 3-2 on aggregate. In the 56th minute, Wayne Aldum does it again on a superb header off of another cross. So now we're tied 3-3, which 3-3 is still not enough. Both teams have three home goals. Uh, At this point, if the game were to end with this result, they would go on to penalty kicks, which, uh, honestly, it's hard to favor anybody in penalty kicks because they're so random. Uh, But Liverpool knew this wasn't going to be enough. In the 79th minute, and again, if you follow any sort of soccer coverage on your social media, you probably already know about this, but in the 79th minute, Alexander Arnold uh, catches Barcelona absolutely napping in the middle of the match uh, on a corner kick where he pretended that he was going to defer the kick to somebody else, and as he's walking away from the ball, he quickly stops, turns around, and and crosses the ball in low to Origi, who makes no mistake and puts Liverpool up 4-0. And absolutely catastrophic for Barcelona, a team that arrived at this at this field thinking that this was a mere formality before their inevitable uh, entrance to the Champions League final. And Liverpool pulled it out of the fire. They ended up winning 4-3 on aggregate and ensuring an all-English final that shows that the Premier League truly is the premier football league in Europe, uh, which I think they earned over this season just watching the matches themselves, but this really puts that punctuation mark on it to say the, the Premier League is where it's at for at least this season. Yeah, it was an unbelievable comeback. They're saying one of the greatest comebacks ever in club football competition. It's also uh, pretty amazing for Liverpool because they lost the Champions League final last year. I know their goalkeeper, uh, was it Allison in that game? I'm not or sure. Or is that a different guy? Okay, because their, their keeper in that game, uh, he had a, a couple really bad goals allowed to Real Madrid, who, of course, they won their third in a row. So now we're going to see if Liverpool can kind of come back from that, that loss and uh, do what they couldn't do last year against Tottenham. 
I, I do want to spend like a minute talking about Barcelona because on the one hand, you have a great comeback, but you also have an epic collapse. Lionel Messi, we said he's probably the best player in the world. Uh, just the things that he's able to do, both talent-wise, as well as just the statistics he puts up in all these different competitions. Barcelona can win La Liga. He can have all that great regular season success, but he's never won a World Cup. Not necessarily his own fault. Uh, he has appeared in a final, but that's always been kind of the narrative about him is that he can't win on the highest stage. Uh, and while this isn't necessarily international competition in the sense that he's playing for Argentina, it is international teams. I'm a big Lionel Messi stan, but is this a, really another knock against Messi? I, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Messi fan as well, Ben. But uh, you talked about his free kick, Lionel Messi had. What about the free kick he had versus Germany? Where I know it's <laughs> an impossible task to 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 ask for him to pull off the greatest free kick ever, but. Yeah, like you said, Corey, he hasn't really done much in the World Cup. He hasn't it, won one. I mean, do you guys do you remember in that fourteen World Cup after Germany beat them one nothing, and you know he gets his second place award, and he's just like just standing there with a blank face, like why 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 am I getting this award? Like I don't care yep. about this. Like I just wanted to win this tournament. Well, like, I mean, it. I think there's definitely a conversation to be had about that about like great players who don't have the accolades that we consider. Uh, you know, automatic with greatness. I mean, LeBron James is another example of this where he's obviously been dominant for a long time. But I mean, if you're looking at finals L's, like he's taken a lot. And uh, the same thing with Messi, where he's had great disappointment in his career. And I think uh, I, as much as you have to be a champion to be considered like the greatest, greatest, you know, um, I still think Messi is amazing, whether he has those trophies or not. Well, Messi has won the Champions League though with Barcelona before, right? Yes. Okay. I have a I have a question. Like, do you, Ben, do you think it's fair that Messi and Ronaldo they get the same crap as like LeBron in basketball, where it, it's really well they have other players in their teams, if it's Portugal or Argentina, but it's kind of a, I feel like it's a much harder task to pull off a World Cup win, like in soccer as like a you know, the star than it is in basketball. Like, do you think it's fair that they get the same well, I, for not I winning? I don't know. The, the thing about um, international football is you don't get to choose necessarily who's born in your country. Uh, there's plenty of great players who <laughs> pl- have terrible international squads that they play with. And, you know, it's an honor for their their country to be able to field a great player like them. But it's kind of unrealistic to say that they'll be able to you know, take on some of these really loaded squads, like for instance, Belgium or France. So um, honestly, I think people put too much emphasis on championships in general uh, to, 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 to say, because to say LeBron James sucks because he's lost so many finals is totally disingenuous. And, uh, and, and maybe you can say he's not like as good as Michael Jordan because he doesn't have the, the same ring count maybe, but I think the conversation should always be more nuanced than that. Um, and to, to just, just knock them for not winning the title every time is a lazy take in my opinion. I loved when Blake Bortles was asked, like, do you, do you, do you notice like that people always say you suck? Like, yeah, I mean, like even people think LeBron James sucks at his sport. Like, I can't even imagine what people think of me. Like, sorry to talk about LeBron. Yeah, James we, Corey, we love but, LeBron I mean, on this podcast. Like, we, we've been, yeah, apparently we just love Le- this. Might be your least favorite podcast. Like, oh, what do you think about the Warriors? Oh, what do you think about UEFA? Oh, I don't know, but LeBron, he really had a terrible team. The, in the real past, question didn't he? is, yeah. could LeBron win the Champions League if he joined Barcelona? <laughs> 
Would that be <laughs> <laughs> actually? I, and I just looked it up. By the way, Messi has won four Champions League titles. Four, okay. Because um, I know that um, this is the first time that a Spanish team won't win in like five years because Madrid won three and Barca won two before that. So yes. okay, that's not a not a huge knock against Messi. Just another kind of thing you can add to the narrative if you want to. But well, I think just it adds to the uh, impact that this win has for Liverpool. This is a historic comeback for them, obviously. Uh, but to do it against a goat like Messi it just makes it uh, that much greater. Uh, which I, now I think we should talk about uh, the final. And uh, mm-hmm. honestly. I just think it's amazing. Again, I love that the Premier League is getting so much, such good reputation from their uh, their standing in European competition. Uh, in previous in a previous episode, we talked about the makeup of the Premier League and uh, what you can win from the Premier League. Not only the championship, but you can also get invited to the Champions League or uh, Europa League. The Europa League is also exclusively English teams in the final uh, as well. So. The Premier League's got it going on this season, and uh, I think that's pretty cool. Okay, but in this particular matchup between Liverpool and Spurs, I think Spurs are always dangerous. I think they're a very good club, uh, and if they come out on top, I wouldn't be surprised. But Liverpool have to win this. They have had... This is one of the most amazing campaigns that the Premier League has ever seen. Liverpool finished the season with 97 points. That's the fourth best point total ever ever in the premier league and they didn't win that it's manchester city because manchester city was one point better than them and uh and obviously also a historic run by them that not to take anything from away from city but liverpool needs something to show for this dominant year and uh, i know that both teams are coming in off of historic tremendous just jaw-dropping victories comebacks in the second leg of their champions league semifinal. but liverpool i think have everything to play for uh, and they simply must win Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Do you think they'll pull it off? I'm. I think Liverpool have what it takes to uh, to win this one. This is all they have left to play for. Uh, make it. Make it count. Let this season go down in history as a success. All right, Brian. Do you have a prediction for this one? Um. So Liverpool beat Barcelona. Yes. My favorite bandwagon team ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll. I'll. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll I'll just go. Uh, so who who's their opponent? Tottenham. Tottenham. Yep. I'll, I'll root for them. So yeah, I'm gonna say them. them. Uh, you said four. Yeah, I'll root. Yeah, them. Spurs? I don't know. Uh, is Car- is Eric Carlson on that team too? Yeah. <laughs> they do have Harry Kane, uh, Delhi Alley. They have a yeah. few. They, they're a very loaded squad. I mean, they've earned their spot here as well. Yeah. I'll go them four nothing. Like Corey picked with uh with St. Louis over four the Bruins nothing. four nothing. I'll I'll pick. Yeah, Tottenham four nothing. Yeah. I think it would be very representative of this past year for Liverpool if they were to just choke in this game and lose three nothing or something. So I'm gonna say that's what's gonna happen, and Tottenham's gonna win as well. So fair enough. <laughs> All right, so let's let's move on to our final segment. That is the top five, and we have Memorial Day coming up on Monday, and. Uh, in honor of that holiday, the three of us are going to count down our favorite war heroes, real or fictional, in today's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. All right, so Ben, how about you start us off? Okay, um, and just to be clear here, um, 
I spent a lot of time researching the Champions League for this episode and not a lot of time researching actual history. So all respect to actual war heroes, especially American war heroes, uh, but you won't find many on this list. But they have definitely earned their spot on this list, no doubt. So my number five uh, war heroes uh, is going to be all of the guys from 300 uh, because those guys showed true bravery in their uh, in their defense against the Persians and uh, it was it's if you want to see a movie with amazing art direction you should definitely check out 300 Uh, it's a great portrayal uh, maybe not the most realistic one but definitely a uh, artistic one uh, and a very memorable movie itself 300 those guys all 300 of them get to be in my number (laughs) five spot Uh, moving forward number four uh, have you guys have you guys listened to Hamilton yes I haven't seen the play or listen to the full soundtrack, but I, I, I unfortunately have heard of Hamilton. Or unfortunately, like heard of, yeah, like that's a founding father you're talking yeah, about. Unfor- and unfortunately, a war hero. Um, <laughs> Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> I'm talking about the play. It, yeah, the music stuff. I am talking. About, I am talking about the play, but I am the, the man himself makes it in at the number four spot on my list. Uh, and this is my opportunity to plug Hamilton on the podcast because if you haven't listened to the soundtrack, it does a good job of actually telling the story. And Alexander Hamilton did so much for our country, including being a war hero. In fact, he wanted to be a war hero the whole time, but George Washington knew he was too smart and didn't want him to die out there so alexander hamilton he, he did eventually end up uh serving uh, commanding uh, actual military forces in the revolutionary war uh which gives him which qualifies him to land at the number four yeah, spot i actually didn't know that. that i was i was curious how he was a war would you hero, would you pay okay, thousands of dollars to go to a hamilton play not thousands, but I would pay hundreds. Hundreds. Uh, yeah, it's coming to OKC later this year, and I do intend on getting my ticket. So uh, it's it's an amazing play. I mean, if you don't, I don't know. I think it's a really lazy take to say I don't like musicals because um, that's so many musicals are so different. Uh, it's it's you can't just group them all like that. Uh, but uh, Hamilton. I'll stick with my lazy take. I don't like musicals. <laughs> fair, I mean, fair enough. Uh, but you're missing out on an amazing piece of American history. Not only a story of American history, but also a play that has been so uh, important that it, it itself will be remembered in American history. I have been to, uh, I have been to a lot, but I have not been to Hamilton. So if I uh, if I do, let me know how that goes, and I will think about going. The that you can listen to it on Spotify or wherever you get. Your I have music. heard it on it's, Spotify. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. It it's fantastic. But I'll uh, I'll leave it at that. Alexander Hamilton deservedly at my number four spot listen to the album if you want to know why number three and i i'll I'll actually because i know he's so important and potentially could end up on other lists in this i'll uh, i'll be brief but forrest gump definitely makes it on my list having gotten shot in the butt uh this man had truly put his life on the line for the country and uh, even got to meet the president for his trouble uh where he was being honored for being a war hero and uh also a very iconic film uh forrest gump the the true story of an american war hero and uh i i i think that he deserves to be remembered on this day uh for remembering uh my next two have big time spoilers and honestly i don't feel that bad for you if they spoil it because at this point you should know um because these two things that came out long enough that you should know them uh my number two game of thrones spoilers your last chance to escape now if you haven't finished it john snow 
This man is the, a, a war hero from so many different battles over the years, but especially Battle of the Bastards. And that's that's probably my favorite Jon Snow battle that he took part in. I know he took part in the Great War uh, and also the Last War, which he didn't really do that much in the Last War. But Battle of the Bastards is one of the greatest cinematic uh, war experiences I've ever seen. Uh, my favorite episode of Game of Thrones, I think. And Jon Snow definitely plays a star role in that battle from his amazing unsheathing his sword and taking on the galloping cavalry that was headed his way um, to when he was punching Ramsey Bolton in the face uh, after he approached Ramsey Bolton totally unarmed. Uh, totally amazing. Jon Snow, one of my favorite war heroes of all time, and very tenured. If you had to make a list of all the wars he's been in, or all the battles he's taken part in, uh, that list would be very long. And finally, this one is immediately what came to my mind. When someone says war hero, this is what I think of, is my man, the, again, spoilers, um, Iron Man. R.I.P. to the, to the big man, uh, to, the, to the, the metalhead himself, Iron Man, war hero from the infinity war and uh i i mean i don't think i even need to say anything more than that the man has had an amazing uh over a decade long run of fighting for the universe basically and uh to to sacrifice it all in order to end the infinity war i think earns him my number one spot did you just say top five did you just say r.i.p iron man i have not watched like any of those movies so to just hearing that on this podcast? Yeah, that's a weird place to find that out. We said it was a, <laughs> we said it was a spoiler. <laughs> you had on a month Yeah, to see I mean, I didn't, watch, I didn't watch any of the movies. Infinity yeah. <laughs> Have you seen any of the Iron Man films? Oh, I've watched all the Iron Man ones, but I didn't watch any of the... I've only watched the first uh, Avengers, and that's it. Okay, I don't feel bad for yeah. you. He's, no. he, but but he definitely his saga is worth following, uh, and and the the end of it is quite epic, uh, which is why he definitely lands at my number one. I can approve of that. Uh, <laughs> all right, so for my number five, I went with Captain Theodore Williams, and for those who don't know who that is, that's Ted Williams, the former uh, player for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, and why do I have him on this list? Uh, he actually fought as a naval aviator in World War II from the years of 1943 to 1945. Like, he actually did not play baseball and went to go and fight in World War II. And not only did he do that, but he fought in the Korean War as well. And uh, the fact that he was that great of a baseball player and to put that much years, that many years in service, uh, especially in World War II, is definitely uh something to admire and is very honorable and also just to wonder like how many home runs he would have had or how what his stats would even look like as well if he uh did not take the time off um to go fight in world war ii but regardless to the fact that he did both is uh is pretty admirable so i went with him as my number five uh my number four i went with staff sergeant adrian cronauer and anyone who does not know who that is that uh he was in the Vietnam War, well, but not as, like, you know, on-field battle, but he was a radio broadcaster, and f- for those of uh, who haven't seen the movie uh, Good Morning Vietnam, I actually would recommend that as another recommendation for your uh, Affable Chat podcast, Ben. Uh, plug, plug, yeah, Affable Chat, check it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, 
it not only is it a, a war movie, but it shows the Robin Williams is the one who stars as Adrian Cronauer in this movie, and um, he might not have been here on the battlefield, but he was a hero uh, to uh, listeners of his radio show, uh, you know, during the late '60s when he was in service. So I went with him as my number four, and my number three, uh, I went with Captain John H. Miller, and for those who who don't know that is that is uh, Tom Hanks's character in the movie Saving Private Ryan, and in the beginning of that movie, uh, this is a spoiler alert. If you have again, like what Ben said, if you haven't seen this movie yet, then whatever you have, you've had plenty of time. It was made in like the late '90s, <laughs> and it's still one of the, be- in my opinion, the best World War II movie ever. Uh, in the beginning of that movie, uh, uh, J- John Ryan, or yeah, John Francis Ryan, who was played by Matt Damon. Uh, three, uh, not one, not two, three of his brothers were uh, killed in action. And in the beginning of that movie, it shows the a, a post office or an office of people typing these letters that of of guys who were killed uh, in battle and having to send the letters to families. And that must have been the worst job ever. But anyway, a woman found out that three of them were brothers and then all those layers are all going to go to one location, and that there were there were four brothers, and one of them was uh, John John Francis Ryan. Uh, so the mission for John John Miller's character and his squad was to to find him and bring him home, and which is what happened in that in that movie. And he's him and his whole his whole squad sacrificed their lives just to save this one guy. For most of the movie, didn't even know. If he even was existed, or if he was alive, or whatever, um, so I would recommend that movie as well for anyone who hasn't seen it. I'm sure most people have. Uh, so I went with John Captain John Miller as my number three. My number two, I went with General James Doolittle, and for people who don't know who that is, he was the leader of the Doolittle Raid, which was the air raid in retaliation to. Japan attacking Pearl Harbor and starting off World War II. Um, and even though it did not provide the same damage as uh, what Japan did to the Americans at Pearl Harbor, it still showed that Japan was vulnerable and uh, and showed that the U.S. Uh, would not uh, give in. And, of course, uh, it led to... Do, Captain do, or Colonel Doolittle and other men to not only uh, provide their service in World War II, but also to be rewarded for uh, the Medal of Honor as well. And so I went with them or him as my number two. My number one, I went with uh, Private Forrest Gump, like Ben did in his list. Uh, Forrest Gump is a national treasure. It is, art, and honestly, no joke, my favorite movie. But like like you said, Ben, he got shot in the butt, and he saved in in that battle. He saved what six guys going back and forth, back and forth, uh, before ending up not only saving Lieutenant Dan's life, uh, but then uh, almost saving his best friend Bubba's life. Uh, and because of that, he was also awarded uh, the Medal of Honor, and he. Not only did he do that, but he, yeah, like you said, he met the president. He even showed him his his butt in in front of everybody. <laughs> How great is that? <laughs> and I love I love that quote. Uh, 
Like, uh, it, it's called a million dollar wound, but I haven't seen a nickel of that million dollars because the army must keep that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it is, I went with Forrest Gump as my number one. All right. Uh, so I'll wrap things up with my list. And at number five, I went with Donnie Donowitz and Omar Ulmer. Uh, and they are from the movie Inglorious Bastards. So originally I was going to go with Lieutenant Aldo Rain, of course, the main character from that movie. Uh, we in the Nazi killing business and business is booming. Easy choice. But <laughs> I have to give credit where credit is due. So this was fictional, not a true story. It was just a hypothetical plot um, that was successful in the movie of killing Adolf Hitler. And if this was in real life, we would be talking about the guys who actually were the ones who fired the bullets to kill not just Hitler, but Hitler's right-hand man, Joseph Goebbels, effectively ending World War II. Would have been a different change of history in the sense that the war would have ended like a year earlier. Uh, but because of that, I'm giving Donowitz and Omer the credit here as my number five. Oh, I love that. And that's such a I, like iconic scene too, burning down the uh, the movie theater. The theater, yeah. And, uh, and, and just opening fire. And the moment right before they get to the room where they have those little like fist guns where they have to punch you to, to for it to shoot and they take out the yeah. guards right outside. It's, ah. Uh, yeah, I'm, so it's Quentin Tarantino movie. It's your favorite, so I, love it. I, <laughs> I figured love it. you'd appreciate it's it. It's my least favorite movie. All right. That's not a joke. <laughs> it actually is wow. my least favorite, yeah. Wow, you're, right. you're, uh, I'm, you're I'm the just, spectrum I'm, of I'm, World War yeah, II I, movies. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so my number four, I went with Second Lieutenant Audie Murphy. So this is a real-life person who fought in World War II. Uh, he was actually had to fake his age um, with the help of his sister to be able to fight in 1941 because he's only 16 years old but he's a uh, one of the more decorated uh, soldiers in american history he killed 240 german soldiers he won the medal of honor that was just one of 33 awards that he was recognized with uh, so just a absolute legend in terms of what he was able to do on the battlefield and helping the Americans and the Allies win World War II. They they actually made a movie about his life in 1955 called To Hell and Back. And guess who played Second Lieutenant Audie Murphy in the movie? Murphy himself. He took on an acting career and decided to, he wound up playing himself in an, a movie about his life, which I think is awesome. Uh, unfortunately, he had some struggles. Uh, his 21-year acting career kind of fizzled out by the end and had his financial troubles and ultimately died in a plane crash uh, at the age of 45. But he was buried in Arlington National Cemetery, and he's actually one of the most visited grave sites there. So got to give a shout-out to Audie Murphy is my number four. My number three, Captain John H. Miller. Brian said a lot about this. Saving Private Ryan, phenomenal movie. Uh, but I'm actually going to take some time here just because Brian already talked about the movie John H. Miller to talk about the real-life John H. Miller. Uh, so I don't know how similar he was to the, the character in this movie, but he was someone who fought in World War II, the Korean War, and Vietnam War, honored with Navy Distinguished Service Medal, twice Legion of Merit, twice bronze star medal and three-time purple heart uh, because of wounds suffered in battle so this guy's also still alive so that's i think uh worth worth shouting him out 
one of the the great American war heroes from the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Number two, another one that we've already talked about, that's Iron Man. Ben's number one. There's only so much left to be said, but he's my favorite Avenger. I had to include him on his list. Like we said, did pay the ultimate sacrifice, but it was to defeat Thanos and win the Infinity War. So absolutely had to include him on my list of greatest war heroes. Great inclusion. Great inclusion. Yep. And then number one, General George Washington. He Before he became the first commander-in-chief of the United States, he was the commander of the Continental Army during the American Revolution. He was the ultimate military leader in helping the colonies become totally independent of Great Britain and their rule and form what is now the United States of America that we all live in. And just because of his accomplishments, what he did, he has to be considered the greatest American war hero and my number one war hero of all time. What a time to be alive. We have during that time, we had a president who fought in battle, and now we have a guy who's fighting on his phone with everybody. That's that's just great. Yeah, like I said earlier, trigger fingers turn to Twitter fingers. Wow, it all comes around. I love that. Also, George Washington, a major character in the in the hit Broadway musical Hamilton. If you like him a lot, you should check out Hamilton. Hey, yeah, is it, all right. Uh, he might be the reason why why I actually go see it. <laughs> So, so when I watch this play, that's what I'm going to be thinking of. That's who I should be thinking of, George Washington. Yeah, he, George Washington, he's a real hero of Hamilton. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he is a hero. I mean, he's great in uh, it, too. Um, I don't understand this Hamilton hate. You guys, you guys yeah, don't know what I, you're I don't, I'm not oh, I, I'm just it. not I'm a Broadway just... guy, and I just figure I wouldn't like Hamilton. That's. I'm just making assumptions, probably a bad ones, too, so, yeah. Yeah, just like hating and glorious. Yep, bastards, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not a Quentin Tarantino guy. That's just me. <laughs> All right. Well, that that'll wrap things up with our top five. Uh, but before we close this episode, we do want to acknowledge that it is a somber day for the podcast. He's done it because Adam Pacman Jones announced his retirement from the NFL. <laughs> of course, we had a a segment uh, a few months ago where we went and read through his. Uh, wikipedia page of his his legal history and some of the issues he's had highly recommend checking it out if you want to just be blown away by a guy who played 12 years in the nfl despite having a uh, a long and lengthy like criminal record that lasted for for quite some time into his playing career or you could also just go back and listen to us talk about it so yeah you guys have any thoughts on pac-man i mean (laughs) He's definitely in the GOAT conversation after this. What a, what a career. Easily, a uh, you know, many players should look up to what this man has done and try to emulate the same type of career. It's, uh, it's absolutely spectacular. The game will miss him. Yeah, GOAT conversation, yeah. Tom Brady, LeBron James, Adam Pacman Jones, yes. <laughs> he definitely, he, he had to have celebrated his retirement at a strip club. There's no doubt in my mind. And did he have a gun? Did he not? That's that. That part's debatable. Well, we can well, put, we no, can use our imagination for that. But he definitely went to a strip club. Well, yeah, and it's only fitting that he would take the celebration from the strip club to a prison cell and uh, continue the celebration there with all his friends that I'm sure in there too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so that'll wrap things up for today's episode of He's Done It. We went a month 
But since our last episode, we promise we'll be getting a new one out much sooner than that with all these finals that we talked about that'll be happening. We got to talk about the actual outcomes. So for Brian Wells and Benjamin Carlson, I'm Corey Navani. Thanks, everyone. We are. We just concluded our latest episode of He's Done It. We're actually still live. I'll, I'll point the camera at. I don't know if this is getting it, but this is Corey <laughs> and Brian on uh, on Google Hangouts. And because Aaron Rodgers totally blew it at the Milwaukee game uh, when he was trying to follow up David Bakhtiari's amazing chug, uh, I feel like it's only fair that we criticize him if we. If uh, we replicate the same thing, so I'm going to show Aaron Rodgers how it's done, uh, and that way it validates all of our trash talk. So Aaron Rodgers, yep, I got the timer going. Aaron Rodgers, this one's for you. You got that timer, Corey? I'm ready. I'm ready. Right, Once it go. gets to your mouth. All right. Ah! Five seconds. <laughs> ah, in your face, Aaron Rodgers. Listen to He's Done It Pod.